You're listening to the Bookkeepers podcast sponsored by Go Proposal by Sage. I've been a student of value pricing for many years now. Understanding pricing has helped me to transform our firm's results and build a firm that can run without me. A key tool we use for pricing in our firm is Go Proposal. It allows us to build the price in person with the prospect and send out a proposal and engagement letter immediately, which has saved us hours from how we used to do it before. Not only that, but being able to create a standardized pricing system within the software means everyone on my team can use it freeing me up from being the bottleneck. If you're not using it already, I highly recommend you check it out. Just head to goproposal.com forward slash sign up for your free trial. Now over to the latest episode of the Bookkeepers podcast. Hi and welcome to Bookkeepers Bootcamp. I'm Zoe Whitman, I'm here with Jo Wood and we're really excited to be joined by Catherine Morgan. Hi Catherine, how are you? Hi guys, yeah I'm so great. Thanks so much for inviting me to come and join you today. I'm excited. We're, su- we're super excited. It's our first session of Bookkeepers Bootcamp. We know that over 500 people have registered to be here this week. So we've got lots of sessions happening over the week. We're um, streaming live into our Six Figure Bookkeepers Club. If you haven't already joined us, come and make sure you're there. And uh, we've got loads of guests speaking to us between today and Thursday, all around how to build your business during the recession, how to like rethink your goals, how to have conversations with your clients. And we just thought starting this week with a conversation with you, Catherine, is just it's just a perfect fit really given your background but I wonder if you can start by telling us a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah of course um so I've been in finance for about 25 years um I used to be a qualified financial advisor um and when I got into my 30s I completely I had a real light bulb moment in my career where, you know, I've been giving people advice on how to manage money, how to invest money, how to save tax, all of the things. And I wasn't doing any of it myself. I had a terrible relationship with money. I would make loads of money and spend loads of money, make loads of money and spend loads of money. And it wasn't until when my second son was born and we almost lost him to bacterial meningitis that I... I kind of continued to repeat these overspending cycles and I was diagnosed with PTSD and um, Thomas is a very healthy nine-year-old boy now. But at the time I used money as a way to make myself feel better about myself. Like I thought that having more money was the solution to everything. I thought that buying more clothes, um, you know, copying what other people were doing was going to make me feel more self-fulfilled. And it didn't. I would end up in these huge um, what I would what I call uh, fawning cycles. I would people please. I would overwork. I would uh, undercharge, overdeliver all of the things. And it wasn't really until I got into my 30s that I really understood the psychology of money and what makes us make decisions around money. And most of which are not logical. Like we don't make logical decisions around money. I'm sure you probably see this with your clients. Um, And I went on this huge discovery with myself around coaching, therapy. Um, I studied lots of psychology modalities, things like NLP as well, um, and the energy of money qualifications. And I I basically just started writing about my own journey and how I managed to get myself out of £35,000 worth of debt into running, you know, several multi six figure businesses. And I just started writing about it. And I was sharing my story and uh, we launched a podcast uh, almost four years ago now and 
the the stories that we were sharing like other women were like oh yeah like I really resonate with that like can you help me with this and we just started to build a community and now we support um we support women in our consumer community to improve their relationship with money and then we also developed an actual coaching program specifically for financial professionals so that they could first of all better understand their own relationship with money and then go and help their clients to not just make the practical decisions in their businesses to you know, help them to manage their cash flow better, but also to have a better emotional relationship with money. Because the way that we feel about money is really a mirror reflection of the way we feel about ourselves. Oh, that's deep, Catherine. That is deep. And um, (laughs) what a way to start a Monday morning. Um, So I think in this industry and us as, you know, we are we are financial experts and advisors. And so then when we start thinking about money and also we have to sign when we have our professional licenses and everything, you know, there's that box to say you can never have been bankrupt and you can, you know, there are lots of things. So to start having an honest conversation uh, with ourselves and feeling about really what is our money, you know, language and how are we, because we put on this professional front and sometimes it forces us to kind of hide the fact that, well, we should be really good with money because that's what we do for a living. And that's not always the case. And I think it's, I think it's um, okay to know that not every finance professional has always got this right. And that, you know, there might be a whole multitude of reasons why our relationship with money isn't great, but it doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah, and what's interesting about what you said, Joe, is um, I'm really curious to someone's language that they use with money. And it's a really, like, really good indicator as to what kind of behaviors or the ways that we might may self-sabotage when it comes to our relationship with money is to get curious to your language. And the word that I was hearing there for you, Joe, is was should. Like, we should be good with money because we've done financial qualifications so we should know everything there is to know about money we should be you know we should all be multi-millionaires and we should be managing cash flow with complete ease you know and and in reality that's not the case because a lot of our own relationship with money is emotional and where that comes from often is all the influences that we have grown up on you know from um, from what parents taught us about money or didn't teach us about money or caregivers or what society taught us about money I mean you only have to think about the movies that we watched growing up I mean I'm in my early 40s and so I watched you know films where women were rescued by the prince and it was all about waiting for for joy to come it was about waiting to be rescued it was about um you know rich women being mean and greedy or selfish and you know, even just the films that we were exposed to, you know, the rags to riches stories, um, you know, Mary Poppins and everything that, you know, those kind of films taught us about money. So there's a whole logical piece over here, a practical piece, but there's also a big emotional piece. And when we should on ourselves, we set expectations that are likely not achievable expectations or they're expectations that we think we should do because everybody else is doing it or society is telling us that we have to do this. And it, it creates a huge amount of guilt 
and a huge amount of shame. And it's those emotions that keep us stuck. It's those emotions that keep your clients from picking up the phone and saying, I'm having a bit of a tricky time at the moment. Can we have a conversation about money? Because they'll just bury their heads in the sand because they're filled with this intense experience in the body which causes stress, anxiety. You know, you can literally feel it, can't you? You know, you know what it's like. You get a, you've had a client who's cancelled on you or left, and you're like, oh, "What's wrong with me? What have I done wrong?" And then we go into this massive spiral of, "I need to do some more qualifications. I'm not good enough." Like all of these self-sabotaging language that we start using with ourselves, which is so interesting, given that money has no emotional charge, but it's the perception or the meaning that we give to it, to this, you know, physical piece of paper or this bit of bit of metal. You know, we we load it up with uh, emotions because of our own experiences. Oh my gosh. There's so much there that I'm like, yep, tick, 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 tick. Like, you know, Joe and I run a business together and there are definitely conversations we have where I come with like baggage from, you know, growing up with a single parent and all of that. And, and it ties into like decisions you make around how you want to spend money and what, whether you want to like save it or whatever your thoughts are. So I'm completely with you around the emotional things. And I think it's only when you've done that work and realize that's what's going on, that you can change the way you think about what your what your decisions are going to be made in business um you said at the beginning um you were talking about how having more money might be the solution to everything like how um you know oh I just need to get some more money and then everything's going to be okay and I think that often that's a conversation that people will be having but this is something that comes up a lot in our community where people are thinking about growing their businesses and oh if I just had another client and I had a bit more money coming in everything would be okay But we're in this situation at the moment where um, all of the news is telling us that there's a recession and we're probably like we're hearing messaging that things are hard. People don't want to spend money and things are costing more. So we've got this. We've got a lot of people thinking, I just need to bring a bit more money in. But at the same time, we might be feeling that, well, actually, the money's going to run out. It's going to like everything's going to stop and my business is going to have to go like on pause or what am I going to do? And I just wonder what your thoughts are around like how we can manage those feelings. Yeah, such a great question. And, you know, going back to what you were saying about the news is telling us we're in a recession. You know, we are in a recession, but we've, we've been here before many times and we will be here again many times in the future. The, the important thing is to really to think about both sides of this. It's about what are some of the practical things that I can actually do? to future-proof my my own sense of safety and security, which is what money does. Money brings that that essence of safety and security. Now, having more money doesn't necessarily bring more safety and security. We might think it does, but how many of you are overspenders? How many of you um, find yourself receiving money, but then you'll spend it? And often the reason that we do is because we don't actually feel safe to keep hold of it. So when when you say having more money is is the answer, it's not always the answer. So this is where the key is to have a look at what is your relationship with money and what is your relationship with money first before you go and help your clients? Because there is a, a potential for your own beliefs to actually influence your client's relationship with money. You know, if you're a saver, of course, you're going to be talking to your clients about 
save more money, just put some more money in your emergency fund and your client might be an emotional overspender and they're like, okay. And then their little inner critic is going, but I know that's not going to happen. Like, cause I'm bad at money. I'm terrible at managing money. I'm not good with maths. I'm an overspender and all of the self-sabotaging beliefs come out. So I, I really believe that when, when you talk to Zoe about, I need to just find some more clients, that it is a need energy. Can you feel that? It's like, I need to, like, it's like a desperation. It's like an anxious pull to, I need to go and do this thing. And when anyone's in a need energy in business, it's never a good energy to be in because then we're desperate. We're, we're putting pressure on ourselves to, you know, go and do all these things on social media or however you're finding your clients. And it's always much more loving to yourself to come from a place of, well, what do I already have? Like, let's just, let's just ground ourselves in what do I already have? What am I grateful for? Um, you know, real kind of abundance or gratitude energy is always going to get you better results. It's always going to make you feel better rather than being in this constant need and chasing. Like how many of us uh, chase clients for invoice payments? And it feels horrible because you feel like you're, you know, you're chasing for it and it's not a nice energy to be in. So even just the, ch the the change of your language, not a need to go and form, find 10 more clients. I would really love to go and find 10 more clients and just mm -hmm. the energy. It, it will really make a big difference just to change that narrative with yourself. Um, and then, of course, there's some super practical things that you can think about when we are in times of recession. Um, we know that when we're in recession, things are rising in cost. Uh, whether that's your mortgage, whether that's your subscriptions in your business, whether that's your food, you know, that petrol, there's always going to be increases in cost of living. And so one of the things, and this is, this is relevant whether you're in a recession or not, but actually knowing your numbers and forecasting a little bit forward. Like you don't have to have a five-year business plan in place or a 10-year business plan in place because, you know, most of us, we'll have a plan and then we, would, we won't stick to it anyway because we want to evolve but knowing three months six months in advance where's your cash flow coming from do you have clients at the moment who you're manually invoicing that you could just pop onto a retainer automate those payments so that you've got that guarantee or safety or stability of that revenue coming into your business maybe this is an opportunity to um, look at other ways that you could be creating more revenue in your business, um, other creative ways of, of bringing additional revenue in. And when you look at monthly recurring revenue or MRR, um, MRR is always a great way to bring in that stability when you're in a period of instability. You know, so could you have a client working with you for a year and, you know, five clients working with you for a 12 month package? you've got, a, you know, it's not guaranteed, but it's, it's a pretty stable way of bringing more revenue into your business. Um, is there another way that you could package your service in a way that would support your client more and also give you more stability with your revenue? Um, but, but a lot of this is about knowing your numbers, really knowing your numbers and not, not from a place of um, guilt or shame, but from a place of, okay, cool. Now I know where I stand. Let, what decisions can I make to 
you know, perhaps redirect some of my expenditure somewhere else, or perhaps redirect some of the softwares that we're using, or let's bring another team member in uh, rather than spending a hundred pound a month on memberships I'm not using. And that hundred pound a month might free up five hours a week of your time. And you can use that five hours a week to go and start your podcast or, you know, or um, work with more clients or take that time back for yourself so that you feel more fulfilled and more joyful um, with your own well-being. So there's, there's, there's kind of two sides to it. I, I love what you said about the, you know, that feeling when I need more clients, I need more clients. And we see that a lot in the group. Like, how do you get more clients? Get, 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 need, need, need. It's a horrible feeling. And something that I have learned over the many years, 20 odd years of being in business and where I've been in that, I need more clients a lot. And it's just coming from a place of lack. And, and you end up attracting those clients that are in lack. need your services, but they're in lack and they don't want to pay for your services. It's, it's not yeah. good. So what I, what I, something that I do now is when I'm feeling that I think, how can I help more people? How can I help what can I do right now to help people that really that don't know about what it is that I can do? How can I how can I express more, you know, the value that I can bring? And so that might be by doing something like a masterclass for free and just letting people know this is what I do to help or, you know, or maybe doing a post and talking about an experience that I've had, you know, obviously no names, but, you know, how I've helped somebody do something. How can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And when you push that out there more, then you do, you, you attract people that need that. They need your help, but they also see you as valuable at that point. And it's just, and I've come, there's oftentimes, you know, I've got a growing business. I've got growing staff members where I've got more capacity and my wages bills high. And maybe someone's, you know, come to the end of their agreement or, you know, for whatever reason we've passed and there's, there's capacity and yeah, I do need some more work to fulfill that, to make everything balance. But as soon as I stop thinking I need and right, okay, so who needs help? Right. Then the first thing I do is go back to the clients I've got now. Okay, where was we? Where have we not told somebody that there's something else we can do for them? What is somebody going through right now, and they could do with a little project of work that we could do with them and help them out? Is that something they want? Starting to talk to the clients you've already got and seeing how many how many clients I get coming to me, and they go, and I often say to them, I'm sure your accountant could do this for you. I do this because I never want any. I'm I'm not trying to poach. Have you spoken to your current accountant? They could do this for you. And lots of them say, yeah, I mentioned it, but then they never gave me a quote or they didn't do that. And so lots of people can do the work you're doing, but they maybe they're, they haven't got the space, so they don't need that work at the time, so then they don't offer it. So it's really interesting. And maybe is there anyone in your client base that actually wants more from you and would be willing to pay? I think that's such a great point, Joe. is that it's much easier to um, make more money from your existing loyal, happy clients than it is to go and find new clients. And it, and it, and again, it's that need energy. It's that, you know, I need more. You don't necessarily need more clients. And one of the accountants who's in my mastermind, for example, she's just made an extra thousand pound a month from just um, contacting her existing clients and saying, Hey, I've been paying for your zero subscription for you for the last five years 
um, we are, you know, we are now going to add this to your invoice um, because of the benefits that it's offering to your business. Is this okay? And she had one out of a hundred clients who said, nah, I'm not really sure about this. Everybody else was like, yeah, cool. And could you just remind me, like, how does this work? And like, so she did this little video series for them. Like, and it was, it, you know, it was extra revenue for her because she was overgiving. So one of the things that you said, Joe, is about um, like going, you know, being of service to your clients and absolutely 100%. If you're in service, you're always going to come from a place of joy. But just be careful that that servicing doesn't turn into overgiving. Um, and especially for women, there's a very high um, psychological response called fawning when we overgive. And you'll know this with your relationship with money as well. If you're the sort of person who spends money on everybody else. And when if there's anything left, you might go and treat yourself. But the thought of going to treat yourself feels really hard. It, it like there's a lot of guilt maybe there of oh I can't you know I'll spend it on my kids that's fine but I'm not going to spend that on myself and one of the things that we talk to the women in our communities about is if you do have fear of giving to yourself you often will end up in over servicing over delivering over giving and that's when you get into burnout uh, and that's not a good place to be in business so come from a place of service but also come from a place of what are your needs as the business owner are your needs being met first? And it's, it's like the oxygen mask analogy, isn't it? If you are coming from a full cup, you're, everything in your business is bringing you joy, your services that you're delivering are bringing you joy, then you're going to attract more people because you're in a place of feeling good about your business and your needs are being met, you know, your, your well-being needs are being met as well. So just, just be careful of the little um, fawning people pleasing overgiving um behavior that can come out from time to time that's really interesting i'm waiting to see the comments i think there'll be people who say yep yeah, that's me um <laughs> you mentioned about um how sometimes because we because we've done our financial training and we you know we're numbers people and people have that people think you know they look at you and they think well that's someone who's going to be sorted whether that's the case or not as we've just established yeah. um we need our clients to speak to us right now because we can help them potentially with something we haven't helped them with before. Um, and we really need to understand, I really believe that we need to understand our clients really well to be able to serve them in the best way. Um, but you mentioned, you know, they might be afraid to pick up the phone and have that conversation with us because they think we're gonna judge them or tell them they should do something that they don't feel able to do, but they don't realize that they're not able to do that. How can we encourage people right now who are kind of burying their head in the sand potentially around their finances? How can we encourage them to have a conversation without, I, d I don't know, I don't know what I think we might be doing, but just to, you know, encourage them to know that we're there and we're kind of like a friend there on their side. Yeah, it's such a great question. And there's kind of two ways to look at this. You could be quite proactive with that or... The other thing, which is what we encourage our financial coaches to do, is to put it on your websites, send it out in your email communications or your newsletters, share case studies of clients that you've supported. And this is where you know we are really passionate about helping accountants and bookkeepers and financial uh, professionals to have the tools available to them 
to open up these conversations. And we do this through, we have a, a coaching tools program where we, we give the financial professional all of the tools and the questions that they can use with their clients to have those conversations. But I really believe that all of you can do this um, through how you're communicating to your clients because most accountants and bookkeepers, certainly ones that I've worked with, their websites are pretty much the same. You know, they're like, we do bookkeeping, we do tax planning. And it's like, cool, because I need that stuff. But what differentiates you from one accountant to another or one bookkeeper to another? If you were to have something on your website or on your socials where you're having open conversations with clients about money, and that might be open conversations like what we're having right now is going to just normalize these conversations. It's okay to be in a place of fear. It's okay to be burying your head in the sand, but you can, you can do it in a way that makes it fun and makes it just easier to have conversations. Like when, when we, um, when we did this in our community recently, we were in our PJs with a cup of tea talking about money you know? <laughs> like we have to normalize these conversations mm. um so i think that the question here is around you could be really proactive and you could send a newsletter out to your client and share a story mm. you know like and th this might be your story it could be a made-up story it could be one of your clients doesn't really matter but share a story about it's okay right now if you're feeling fearful to look at your zero account it's okay if you're worried about how you're going to make money in your business, we are here to have a really great conversation with you to support you with no guilt, no shame, no judgment. Mm. You, know, you have a really nice story around that. And the client's going to read that and, and think, oh, thank God I'm not the only one who feels like this. Thank God mm. I'm not the only one who is worried. Um, and we find that having conversations in groups is really supportive as well. Like some people are always like really quiet at, at the start because they don't really want to you know own up to the fact that this is them but give them questions to ask of themselves questions like what what did I learn about money growing up um what's um what's the what's the common feeling that I have around money how is this supporting me in my business how is this challenging me or sabotaging me in my business what could I do differently? It's inviting those questions in. It, I think what you said, I, I love the idea of bringing this into like your marketing and your website. And this is the way and setting that kind of, you know, the scene that this is how I am. And something that I do is, you know, bring these conversations into the, the discovery call like right at the beginning so yeah. when I the first you know, and I always say this well, I, I did a training the other week about you know how to run a discovery call and I'm always like you've got two ears one mouth you should be listening twice as much as speaking is if you go into a discovery call and thinking I've got to sell I've got to sell I've got to sell actually what the person wants to do is come in and tell you what why they're there and that's so the question I often ask you so why did you start your business? What got you excited? What did you, like you made that jump, that leap. I want to go back to emotions and feelings and, and set the scene of our relationship. I'm not asking you, what would you last year's corporation tax bill? I, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Who are you? So, you know, who's in your family? Who is this business supporting? How many shareholders? What's their businesses like? Um, what's their families like? You know, do you do the school run or do you try and have some time off of this? 
try and get to like the heart center of the business and then and then I often ask so what's brought you here how have you not been supported Mm. with your current finance professional that kind of thing so then they tell me all the reasons because they're leaving somebody but the other thing I do the reason I do that is that because I think people have made the reason they're speaking to you right now is because at some point in the past they chose somebody else as a finance professional bookkeeper and accountant and they made a mistake because it's not worked out so actually mm. you're not trying to sell yourself or, or your services you're trying to sell them some certainty that they got they're okay and they can make a good decision so I try to big them up in that discovery call and a bit like wow so you've You've, so you start your business then and you had nothing and now you've got this and you've got this amount of staff and you know that's you know you've come this far because I think people they I think sometimes we think of these these sales calls and these new prospects as really like big scary like oh they must be amazing at business and they're this and that and they're going to come and judge me and they're going to judge my prices and and that's not the case usually they're coming to you really vulnerable and what I love about that Joe is what you've just shared there is exactly the one most important thing that matters between the relationship with your business and your clients is communication. It's the most important thing. And a great question I always like to invite in my discovery calls with clients is if we were to work together in some way, so I don't know what that looks like right now, how will you know when we're done? How will you be feeling? What will you be doing differently? And how can I best support you in that journey, in that relationship together? Because some of your clients will be super visual. They'll want you to do cash flow forecasts so they can see all the pie charts and they, you know, they can plan everything and have all of their spreadsheets in place. You know, they're high, high architects, we call them. Um, some of them might be like, oh God, don't even get me to look at a spreadsheet. I have no idea what my numbers are. Um, you know, they're very impulsive, very spontaneous. Those clients will need to be supported very differently. That's me. Like it, the way I have to work with my accountant is I have to have at least a quarterly call with them, if not monthly. And I need to know that there's flex in my financial forecasting to allow for me to make impulsive decisions because um, not because I'll overspend, but because I like to say yes to opportunities when I see them. Whereas an architect, a high planner, won't do that because they'll be like, it's not in the plan, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> and the action taking is harder for them. But for the impulsive story type, this is these pictures you can see in the background here. These are different individual relationships to money will behave differently with money. So if you can support them in where they're at to maybe become a bit less impulsive, but they're still supportive, that doesn't feel restrictive, or maybe you can support them to still plan ahead, but still have some impulsiveness available in their financial numbers. Can you see there that already the relationship, the value that you bring is totally different? And that's just, that's just two of the archetypes that I'm talking about here. So communication, how can I best support you? What is the biggest challenge that you found with your numbers in your business? Like, let's be really honest about this. What, what does support you? Do you love spreadsheets? Do you hate them? Do you want to see them? Do you not want to see them? Like, how can I best support you in this relationship is a really, really good question. So that you know, is that client the kind of client I want to support? First question, because they might not be. You might think, do you know what? 
I actually think you'd be better to work with this person. Let me introduce you to them. And it's okay to say no to clients who don't fit the avatar, the, the ideal client that you want to serve. Remember, this is about you serving, uh, you, you know, your cup being full first. So communication is so important. Oh, I love this so much. Um, okay, so this is this is really helpful for thinking about how we adapt ourselves to our clients. Joe and I talk about having an ideal client a lot of the time, and there are people who will definitely say, no, I'll work with anyone and I'll work however they want. But actually, this is a way to kind of have, you mentioned flex. This is almost like how you can flex working with your ideal client, but just adapting yourself to their kind of needs and their ways of thinking around money. So I really love that. But what it really segues into nicely is, um, you know, we've we've spoken so much about how we help with our clients with their goals and meeting their goals and their needs right now. But what about our own goals and our own needs? Because we're also, you know, we're hearing, you know, this is changing. The world's different. Um, that's putting a level of stress on people in our community. Definitely. How do we need to reconnect with our own goals right now? And um, how should we be setting goals for the future? Yeah, I love that. So the first thing is turn off the news. <laughs> you know, I just think there's so much scarcity. Um, there is so much fear around right now and it will be influencing how you feel and it will influence the goals that you're setting yourself because when we hear all this chaos, all this uncertainty, how does that make us feel? Uncertain, unsafe, insecure, um, in need energy. So the first thing is turn off the news, like, and, and, and even things on your social feed, like get rid of all the things that are just making you feel like that. If you read a post and it makes you feel, ugh, just hide it for a while or like, you know, there's a little function you can, uh, on Facebook, certainly, you know, you can just pause any notifications from that person for a while, you know? So that's the first thing I would do because if we're going to connect in with our goals, I'm not a big believer in goal planning. Now, I'm a financial expert. So to hear that, you might think, well, that's a bit weird. But goals are setting a um, celebration moment or a target of something you want to achieve into the future. Now, the future is full of uncertainty. We have no idea what's going to happen this afternoon, let alone what's going to happen in 12 months time. So what we're doing is we're setting that celebration or that thing that we want into the future. OK, I'm a big believer in bringing the future into the present because we don't want to wait. Why? Why do we want to wait? Why do we want to wait until we can achieve something or celebrate something or hit a milestone? We can bring it into the present moment and we do that through intentions, setting intentions with yourself. There's quite a big difference between intention setting and goal setting. Goal setting is quite masculine energy. It's do energy. It's I have to do more in order to reach that goal. And then if we don't reach the goal, we feel like a failure. And then so we don't set big goals anymore and we play small. It's like it's a sabotaging cycle. So don't set your goals in the future. Um, create them now. Like where are you already experiencing joy with your health? Where are you already experiencing joy with the money that you're already creating? Where are you already experiencing that? And set some intentions about how you want to feel in the future. So is it you want more joy in your life? Is it that you want more certainty? Is it that you want more spaciousness? Is it that you want more 
uh, connection. You know, so if you set a goal on intention, on, on connection, as an example, this is one of my goals this year. What can I be doing on a day by day basis to bring more connection into my life? Having these kind of conversations makes me feel whole, like wholly connected because I work from home. I'm by myself most of the time. So this makes me feel connected. I don't have to wait for this to happen. I can make this possible right now. So think about rather than setting, you know, unrealistic goals way in the future, we don't hit them, then we feel like a failure. Bring them into the present moment and think about what do you already have available to you? Bring that all that gratitude energy into your body. And, and this is, I know this might sound a bit woo-woo to people, but it really isn't. It's just a intention of I'm going to claim it now. I'm not waiting for it to happen. So just thinking on that. So saying, so uh, uh, we're quite practical and thinking about so we've got lots of people here that are studying to become qualified bookkeepers qualified accountants and so if your goal this year is obviously to reach that qualification can you explain to us how we turn that into like an intention for today so that we know that we are how how do we know that that because there are some things that are going to take time to achieve and we and we know that there are quite a few things like implementing a software into our business or um setting up an email list or you know creating a website there's these things that are to do's so how do we bring those together and 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 i love the idea of feeling and i i i think i do i've got um whenever i have a little thing in my mind i kind of write it on a, a on a list and then i i i love to tick off things all the time that and like a bit of a to-do list rather than a to-do list you know and if I do something I'm like oh I'm gonna write that on the list even though I've done it because <laughs> it makes me feel like oh look at what I've achieved so yeah. I, I love this but when you've got a big thing that's coming up how do we bring that into an intention rather than a goal how do we turn it around yeah it's it's like a, it's a small step isn't it like not everything has to be goal related like if you're studying for a qualification, you know the end goal is to get the qualification. You don't have to uh, put yourself under pressure um, around that being the goal. Um, so it's about bringing things more into intentions of movement, if you like. And, and what you said, Joe, about like, I love putting things on my to-do list and ticking it off like I get a sense of achievement. We all want this sense of achievement. Um, there's actually some really interesting research done between men and women, actually, of women are much better at to do lists because they like that feeling of tick. I've done it. I've achieved something. But again, think about that. that that's an energetic exchange, isn't it? It's an, it's an it's a I've done something. I've done a good job. But we don't have to have something on our to do list to tick it off to to feel good about ourselves. That's just that's about how we feel about our sense of self. That's our sense of self-worth. Um, but I think if we think about the movement or the intention, you may have an intention to sit your qualification and build your business this year. That's the intention. So if the intention is to build the business, is that growth? Maybe, maybe that's the intention is the feeling I want to experience is growth in my business, growth in my qualifications, growth in my business. So what do you do every day that makes you feel like you have grown in your business? And so therefore, suddenly everything that you do that ticks that growth intention feels great. And we get that sense of achievement without, for example, saying uh, as an alternative, I'm going to grow my business to six figures this year. I'm going to make 100K. 
can you so if we don't hit 100k then we feel like a failure whereas if the if the if the intention is i'm going to grow my business this year you're going to be setting that intention from a place of pleasure rather than coming away from a pace of pain so there's lots of research to show that when we set an intention or a goal whatever language it doesn't really matter but it's the it's the movement here that that it makes the difference if you're setting an intention or a goal based on something that's fueling you towards something that's going to be far more realistic you're going to be much more likely to make movement in that direction than if you're setting a goal that is to get away from something that doesn't feel good for example i'm in debt i need to make 100 grand to pay off my debt because what happens is it's a bit like dieting. We, we're like, I'm a stone overweight. I need to lose a stone. So we build all this momentum. Great. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to not eat chocolate. I'm going to reduce my alcohol content, etc. We lose the weight. And then the momentum disappears because we've reached the goal. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then the weight comes back on again because the, the brain is like, so where's the motivation again where's the motive oh hold on yeah i remember the motivation was when i was a stone overweight so let me just put that stone back on again so then i could feel bad about myself and then like the whole cycle starts again okay so this is where intentions are much better because they're going to be more longer lasting whether we're in a recession or not and you're going to be much more likely to continue with that momentum and that feeling rather than just setting yourself a goal of, for example, I'm going to make hundred pound my business this year. Oh, this is great because it's like thinking uh, like, uh, you know, I've lost baby weight a couple of times and I suppose it's like thinking I'm already in that healthy body. And like when you're doing that and you're experiencing life as a healthy person, you're making the choices because you already see yourself in that identity. And I suppose you know, this whole week is about growing your business, despite whatever else is happening on around us. And actually, if we can all get in, and maybe growth isn't the word for everybody, but growth mm. is definitely the word Joe and I have been using as we've been promoting this week. Um, if you can put yourself in that mindset of I'm growing, it helps you to make the decisions that are helping you to continue with that growth. So maybe a great activity for anyone who's watching this is to think, well, for 2023, what is that word I want to be carrying with me that's going to help me to feel that, yes, I'm making those incremental movements that are helping me to achieve this, this feeling I want? And you're already doing it. That's the key, isn't it, Zoe? You're already doing it. So it's not in the future. It's already in the present day. You're already doing it. Oh, Catherine, thank you so much for chatting to us this morning. It's been really amazing. And like, like so many people, I can see that about 120 people have been here watching this session first thing on a Monday morning. So well done, everyone who's been here. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Catherine, can you tell us a bit about how people can connect with you and find out more about what you do? Yeah, of course. Um, the best ways to connect with us is uh, come and listen to our podcast. Um, it's not about the money. Or if you head to it's not about the money.com, you can grab a free copy of my um, Amazon bestselling book. Um, and I think you guys have some links and details as well. Uh, if you want to do our quiz or if you want to explore some of the coaching tools that we can support you to go and have those conversations with your clients. But more importantly, to get curious to your own relationship with money first, because then by changing your relationship with money, 
you know, it's an opportunity for you to not just change your own relationship with money, but change every single future generation ahead of you. And that's really powerful. Um, so yeah, or, or come and connect with me on Instagram. I'm Catherine Morgan Money on Instagram. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks everyone who's been here. We're going to be back at one o'clock. We're having a chat with Emma James from The Number Ninja about her practice. And we look forward to seeing you later on. Take care. Bye. Thanks, bye. Don't forget to join us every week for the Bookkeepers podcast. For topical bookkeeping chat, why not join our free Facebook community, Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at sixfigurebookkeeper.com.